Once upon an evening dreary, the leaves have changed, the cold is nearing. The candle lit with book in hand, the shadows stretch across the land. Welcome fellow travelers to the Gay Sanctorum. This is the Order of the Midnight Roller podcast. We are your guides, Jameson and Scully. And join us as we scour the shelves of the Library of the Macabre. Good evening, fellow travelers. This week, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite scary titles. Now, we're both pretty big bibliophiles, you would say, right? For the most part. I mean, you probably recently have probably read a few more books than I have. That's an understatement. That is an understatement. I have, uh, for research tonight, I have found a few that I am going to be getting and actually reading because I had no idea that they were even uh, out there. Yeah, I, there's just so much in the literary world. It's crazy. That I, you just don't know where to start sometimes. And then you also have the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, and that's, we're not just talking about that, but also the book, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. <laughs> yes. Um, so let's go ahead and start off with the scariest title of all time, Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. even robert pattinson says it is terrible it is no actually i did actually try to read it i got through chapter five i was like that's what i if, cannot stand unless this you're bitch. a serious fanboy or fangirl that is what i've heard from every single person who has I've tried. tried to read it i i honestly tried I, I have all the books i am not i am sorry that is scarier than anything else i've ever encountered in my life yeah. i will never read that I literally got to like chapter five. I was like, I cannot stand this bitch. I would rather read a actual. I'd rather read the script of Phantom Menace than read than read Twilight. See, those are fighting words because I actually like the Phantom Menace. Well, you know, can't count on taste. Mm. Um. So, what is what are some of your favorite? horror books of all time of all time um i mean I'm probably going some of the ones that most people like i like like pet cemetery okay. uh steven cat's eyes uh i would say a lot of edgar Allan poe for me is mm-hmm. is like classic quintessential horror for me what what do you like about let's start with edgar Allan poe what because he's kind of like the progenitor up until him really I mean, what we had Penny Dreadfuls, mm-hmm. right? And who else? Like what? Bram Stoker. Bram Stoker was about the same time. So about him, and like, there's a couple other people who are really getting into the, like the macabre and the weird. But he was on a different plane of it because he brought in like, like a weird investigative kind of thing to it. He's also exploring like um, psychosis, like guilt, okay. and revenge. And uh, exploring feelings that were translated into horror. Uh, that was a lot of what his stories were about. And especially he, his own like yeah. mental illnesses. He, he did bring in a lot of his own feelings and fears. Especially, you know, being buried alive Why? was a huge, huge thing. Yes. Um, especially back then. I don't know where you get at least the ones that I've read. And I've read pretty much all of his the investigative part um or are you confusing it with the movie probably the raven? oh yeah there's the raven yeah which is excellent yeah, highly recommended excellent. um because i was just like besides that i love richard matheson okay he, he for me I, it's probably when i read read i am legend in high school 
is what really started. It's so depressing. It re- well, I mean, think about what, what most of us were going through in that time. Yeah, yeah. Why would you force a kid to read? I, I did. I, oh, you you read it on your own. I read it on my own. Okay. I, was I, say. I discovered it because I love zombies, and my teacher was like, "Oh, you like zombies? You should read the like master of zombie." Not novels. Okay, I thought they did it in like a curriculum. I'm like, no, yeah, you no, no. Give a whole my, bunch of my, moody teenagers. No, that my book. Uh, English teacher, who was, I would say, liberal. Uh, he would teach our curriculum. Curriculum, sorry, curriculum, curriculum, and uh, but he would also, if he found that his students had a particular penchant for something, he would steer them towards it. So I definitely liked weird sci-fi horror so he was like here take this here's some recommendations for you here's richard matheson here is ray bradbury there here you know like he he fostered these things in the students that he knew would enjoy it okay now i'm gonna guess some of yours are some of the ones that we just mentioned what like brom stoker and things oh like that. i'm a huge fan i'm a huge fan of brom stoker um Obviously, Dracula, I, oh, I do love. Right. Um, though the one thing I like about Dracula that's different from like almost every other uh, author out there mm-hmm. is, well, I guess not author. I guess it's just the book. The book Dracula is written in in the past, mm-hmm. so it's written through diaries and letters and um, notes and recordings with like um with the, the the doctor and so it just to me was written in such a way that was far more interesting yes because um, it had like almost a scientific it did have very much um it very much a, a scientific look at it because you had dr van helsing dr stewart right um and then obviously you do have the religious tones but um you have all have the letters in a vampire book. Well, yeah, especially especially back then. Oh, yeah. You know, all the letters between Mina and um, Jonathan, right. and then um, all the suitors of Lucy, Western Ra. Right. And, right. I mean, there's just a lot that went into it. So I really like that, even though at times, depending on your frame of mind, you may be hard to follow, because... Even though I've read it multiple times, there was a time that I just was like, oh, I'm going to read this just to, to keep reading, keep my brain sharp. And like, even though I know the story. It's a pretty story, book, too, it, if I yeah. remember correctly, right? Oh, it's yeah. A, it's, it's a big book. It's, it's a large book. I mean, it's not War and Peace, but like, it's oh, a fairly God. thick book. Or, or The Red it, Badge of Courage. Or The Iliad and the Odyssey. Okay. So, <laughs> you want to talk about horror. Yeah. <laughs> so, I made the brilliant idea to purchase the unabridged version of the Iliad and the Odyssey. And I actually sat through all 42 hours of it. My, you, you, wow. You do like punishment. (laughs) That's that's the self-flagellation in the way of words. So I listened to it while I was doing a a production. I forget what play it was, Mm -hmm. but I was sewing quite a bit of costumes. Mm. Actually, I think it might have been James and the Giant Peach because I was sewing a whole bunch of gray vests. Right. Um, but I remember like sitting through the Iliad and going, oh dear God, if you would take out so-and-so son of so-and-so died from so-and-so son of so-and-so by being pierced in the heart uh, over yeah. the breastplate plate, 
and died with honors. Like if you would take all that shit out, like it would, it would be, be like this, this thick. Yeah, it would be like nothing. So the Iliad was really painful to get through. The Odyssey I do like because it is more episodic and right. not as mm-hmm. like like history based. I don't even know how to describe yeah. it. It's not one piece, which is just a slog. It's just like it's it's you just you need to get through it because it's your your curriculum curriculum again curriculum of uh but you're just like why am i reading this it has no <laughs> no yeah. points to me i don't know that i've actually I read, read it in school Peace. i did read the red degree. badge and courage oh there's another one that's the one yeah i don't know which is worse when you, get a, when you get a lit degree you uh have a certain amount of crazy stupid books that you have to read that you're like why am i reading this it has no i, I can't connect to this at all so which is worse, the Red Badge of Courage or Pride and Prejudice? Oh, Red Badge of Courage. I would, re- I would read Pride and Prejudice again. Pride and Prejudice was written in the second person. Yeah, and then uh, you just get the good one, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> you get the same story, but add zombies. It's like Hulu Plus. Okay, I'll give you that one. I will give you that one. But I actually, speaking of Bram Stoker, a story that a lot of people probably haven't heard of is The Jewel of the Seven Stars. Yes. Um, which is one of my favorite by him. Now, I have yet to read Lair of the White Worm. I have seen the movie. The movie is, is weird. It's weird. And it's got a young uh, Peter Capaldi in it. Yeah. Like, it's weird beyond weird. Yeah. And we like one, weird. We like weird. But there was, in particular, one artifact... In the movie oh, that yes. uh-huh. I don't want to spoil it because go ahead. We we suggest we you go suggest you watch, watch it. Watch it, please do. Be our guests and then tell us. And then we're smiling with our horns out. <laughs> um, no, I do recommend it. It it's very weird, but it's interesting. Yeah. But the Jewel of the Seven Stars is I I wouldn't necessarily consider it horror mm-hmm. um, in like the classical sense, right. although horror back then is way different than what we know now. Oh, yeah. I mean... Because right now we have... Like we, slasher and like... Slasher, that, that, to I mean... Me is the, the, to me, that's not horror. That's just gore like, for gore's sake. Think of like Freddy Krueger, which yeah. would be technically considered like, a slasher. No, slasher. But um, The Conjuring. Yes. We are so desensitized by all these movies that really have horrific imagery yes. that a lot of these books may not be as scary as they were back in the day. Right, because back, back these they're coming out in like the 50s, 60s, 70s, even before then, 30s, mm-hmm. 40s. People mm-hmm. aren't used to this. I mean, they're used to like real horrors, the horror of the depression, war. the war, you know what I mean? Like real horror. Mm-hmm. And then somebody's writing fictitious things that they could never even fathom. But you also love craft and like all that stuff. Um, But I mean, even think back to like the mythology, like a lot of the, the creatures, the harpies, the um, fantasy, all the fantasy creatures that we we know of now that we just, is a second nature for us. Back then people would go nuts. Mm hmm. But the Jewel of the Seven Stars is more of like an Egyptian, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming back to life. They you know, the classic. Again, they they have done several. Um, and I watched one. Well, I have two of them. One which I made you watch, 
which was done in the 90s, and it was painfully 90s. Yes. And the I other know one, the, one now. the yes. other one you fell asleep through. Not a surprise. Um, <laughs> but it was done in the 70s and was painfully 70s. Oof. I would actually like them to do it and actually do it back in the Victorian era. That would be cool. Because. So, like now, but like in the Victorian era, like a modern movie, but a period the, piece. Done in the period piece. Okay. Cool. Because back when they did like the mummy unwrappings. Mm. Um, for right or wrong like uh, obviously we we can have debate about you know what happened with the actual human remains and stuff but back then it was very commonplace to have these things and i think it's interesting to have those discussions um not necessarily to say oh my god it was wrong because clearly you know grave robbery is wrong right but to say this is kind of what they did back then but Anyway, I would like to see that redone. I highly recommend the book. I actually have a 1910 copy. Wow, I knew no. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, that's the oldest you have copy. So much that... stuff that I don't even know about. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, that's not the oldest book I have, but it's the oldest copy that I could find of the Jewel of the Seven Stars. Okay. Um, so I'm, the research I did today, I actually I was gonna go for your. Because when we decided to do this uh, topic, I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll just do some classics, some like Stephen King, some Edgar Allan Poe. But I was, as I was doing my research, I actually really stumbled into a few books that I had no idea were even out there from authors that I love. Uh, one in particular is um, Something Wicked This Way Comes, which, of course, we both know comes from uh, Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was written in 1962 by Ray Bradbury. Uh, it's about two kids, and it's very. I feel like Stephen King was a Ray Bradbury fan because Ray, Ray Bradbury always writes about like either super weird futuristic things or kids fighting something, which is very Stephen King, where it's like he's a bunch of kids and they're fighting supernatural beings. Well, this is kind of like that. It was written in, in the the book takes place in the same year that it's written. So it's 1962 in Greentown, Illinois, which is I thought was interesting. You know, us living in Illinois. I was like, how do they not know about this? So it's about two kids that a carnival comes into their town that they basically have to fight. It's a metaphor for fighting fear in general. Uh, and also that the uh, their father had fear of being too old to have children is what the book is really about. Okay. So Ray Bradbury apparently had kids or something like that. And that was one of the, the main things in the thing he had, he must have had a kid too late in life. And like, he had I, a fear. I was just going to say, how are you, or how are you wording this? Is it like, He's too old where he cannot bear children or too he, old where he has a child and he cannot raise the child. Right. Like okay. He he's afraid to be he's he has blah, I can't talk that. He had a kid mm-hmm. too late in life. Like he's 40, 50 mm-hmm. in 1962 and he had a kid like way late in his life. So he's mm. fearful of what the kid is going to be like gotcha. as he gets older. That was like a that's a line that runs through the book. But for the most part, it's about the two kids battling the carnival, and uh, it's the carnival director, or Head Carney, basically uh, can do, uh, I can't talk today, I am so sorry, listeners, uh, can grant the deepest desires of all the citizens of the town. And the tell, rest of the, Tell me, what is it you truly, truly desire? desire? 
very much like that. And I thought about that immediately. I was like, oh, it's very Lucifer. And the rest of the the carnival uh, feeds off the life force in which the patrons who come to visit the carnival. And I was like, I've never read this one because I'm used to like Ray Bradbury, like 1984 and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is really that like fantasy horror. Like it felt like it to me a little bit. I was going to say, it does to me feel really it. It. Like before Stephen King, he must have read this book and been like, yeah, you know what? Why not? Let's do another one like that. I would say that's probably one. I've already put it in my my list of books that I need to read. And I'm going to purchase it and actually read it. All right. Sounds good. Um, I'm going to go back to a little bit earlier than even Dracula. Okay. So one of my favorite books, and I have this in a collection of stories Mm -hmm. that um, I I don't know where the book ended up, but it is the book Carmilla. Okay. It is written by, okay, I cannot remember... Joseph uh, Sheridan. Hmm. Okay. No, I, like we were discussing this before, and I had never yeah. even heard of it. Or let's say Sheridan Lefanu. Oh. Okay. Joseph Sheridan Lefanu. I don't know. Sounds right. Right. For yeah, it's an. Uh, it's he's an, an Irish author. Oh. Okay. Um. It was published uh, between 1871 and 1872, and it was done in a publication. Known as in a glass darkly, huh? So that like a zine, like a like a petty dreadful. Yeah, it was like it was a like a magazine, um, and it had um some illustrations of to the story. Um, I believe the illustrations were done by David Henry Furston. Okay, I think. Um, actually, I'm just going to Wikipedia. Yeah, um, Mr. Furston did the the illustrations. So this actually came out before Dracula. Okay, so how far before Dracula? Uh, Dracula was released in uh, 1897. Okay. So 26 years. Okay. Wow. That's, that's, a, well, that's a good long time before. That's a few decades before, almost three decades before Dracula. Oh, excuse me. Um, the first publications of the series was uh, a serial in The Dark Blue... So, Which um, definitely sounds like a pedigree. Yeah. And then, um, the In a, in a Glass Darkly um, is a short story collection. Huh. Okay. So, um, you follow a somewhat noble woman. Um, it's, it's told by a noble woman or a, a noble ish woman. So, that's, that's the narrator is. The narrator is a woman. And,. Circumstances bring a very strange guest to her doorstep, and mm. odd things happen oh, shortly after. Yeah. Um, actually, kind of reminds me of another story called Dracula's Guest. Or am I thinking of a different one? There's a couple of them that have that kind of that same story. Like a stranger comes knocking. And yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, strange things happen, and. It's actually very erotic for the time period. Well, we were discussing that too. That that was, I feel like the Penny Dreadfuls and like vampire stories were their way to like deal with sexual repression. Yeah, deal with sexual repression. So one of the fun funny things about the story is it is kind of praised as a 
lesbian uh, fiction. Mm. Um, it is very erotic. How brave of them. Yeah, it was very brave. And there's actually a line where the doctor's like, oh, I need to examine your um, neck. Uh-huh. Although it wasn't her neck. It's more like her collarbone area. So he's like, "Can will you turn down the, the collar of your dress so I can see? I mean, he did it very tastefully, but I was right. just kind of like, hmm. I had to actually think to the time period. Which oh, is, no, they're shoving a little ankle. <laughs> yeah. um, Let me see your collarbone. It's so hot. <laughs> right. Um, so she was bitten on the collarbone and actually has a lot very of polite the... Vampire. The um, <laughs> it had a lot of the classic vampire right. tropes. So, um, though interestingly, in this version of the vampire, the vampire only needs to go rest in its resting place. Okay. Um, for a few hours a day. So, oh, so it, it might have been an elf and only needs to to meditate for four hours. Exactly. Short rest. Short, Short rest. rest. Twenty minutes. Twenty mm-hmm. minutes. Power nap. It's good to go. Yep. <laughs> uh, what what was it? Um. <laughs> A short nap, wink, and a biscuit, and you're all all ready to go. Pretty much sounds like yep. that. It's like uh, subtract biscuit from blood, and we're good to go. Right? Um, no, it's very good. It's a relatively short story. Uh, Audible does have a dramatized version. Oh, so full cast. Or uh, yes, which okay. was very well done. I do love full cast readings. Yeah, I highly recommend that one. I mean, I'm thinking about listening to it but i've been thinking about getting my bringing back my audible anyways lately because there's i have a list of things that i want i'm easier for me to listen to things than to read them sometimes yeah well because i'm doing so So much much, it's easier for you to listen to stuff i do read every day like Mm -hmm. physically read but i do listen to audible a lot yeah this is not sponsored by the way this is not sponsored but we wouldn't mind um (laughs) I hope you're listening to Amazon. <laughs> yeah. I'll, leave, uh, I'll edit that part out. <laughs> uh, the next one I have is from one of my favorite authors, Richard Matheson. Now, I've been reading him since high school, and I had no idea that he, yet again, I had no idea he had this book out. Uh, this is called Hell House. It was written in 1971. Uh, it deals with um, the paranormal and uh, parapsychology. Uh, it deals, it's very much like The Conjuring or like the Amityville Horror. It is about a doctor and his wife and two mediums, one that is a physical medium and one that is a spiritual medium, that are hired by a millionaire, which is always the way it works, hired by a millionaire who is dying to investigate the possibilities of life after death. But it gets hingy because he sends them to what is quote-unquote the most haunted house in Maine called the Hell House, only because the house had so much blasphemous acts done in it by what would be considered a satanic cult. Put that in quotations. Put that in quotations. uh, That it got its moniker. What they don't also know is when they get in there is that they have to now investigate uh, the possible murder of the ex-owner's son, whilst also finding out why every single person who goes to visit the Hell House dies at the end of their visit, whilst also trying to figure out if there is life after death for a dying creepy millionaire. 
Th- that just sounds like a really, really convoluted storyline. I'm going to have to check it out. That's what I said. I'm like, and most of his stories are amazing and kind of depressing. Usually depressing. It's usually very depressing. But I'm like, Hell House has to do with, but like, it's weird. Like one of the doctors has like a, um, he's a physicist. Like it's like weird. So there's like a little bit of that weird science fiction-y like thing going on with it too. But it made me think of all those movies where they, they hire like paranormal investigators to come in and like look at their haunted houses or very Ghostbuster-y. And I was like, you know what? That sounds like a great book to kind of delve into. Plus I've never heard of it before, which is strange because I've literally read almost every one of his books. Um, keeping with kind of classic literature or classic Americana, I guess mm. I could say, let's talk about the legend of sleepy hollow. Oh, well that is, that is literally the, the anticipus of like classic horror. Well, I mean, it's classic Americana. It's, yeah. It's like, a classic ghost story. Everybody knows it. Yeah. It's told to everybody when they're a kid. Although I highly recommend actually reading or listening to mm-hmm. the actual story because it's a little bit different than what we see in the movies. Yeah. Um, it is way different than the 1999 version. Oh, yeah. With I Johnny mean, Depp and Christina Ricci. Dip more different than the animated version. Which animated version? Oh, uh, Ichabod Crane and Mr. Toad? Yes. We should watch that this year. Yes, we should. Before, well, we still have, like, what, 11 days. So yeah. Like, that is one I do want to watch, yeah. just for giggles. Um, I like the I, I, I liked the story, just in general. Um, it was originally published in 1820. Oh, well, I mean, that sounds about right, because, I mean, every piece of fiction has a piece of truth in it so yeah i mean it definitely covers now interestingly enough the headless horseman is actually a spirit um in germany right because it's hessian well well that's the movie's version well no actually the um in the actual book they refer to him as the hessian soldier um but no there's actually another term for this type of spirit so this isn't just like solely in Sleepy Hollow. Right. So it's probably like a Germanic, uh, like folklore, and then it kind of moved over here and then adapted, which is, happens, which happened constantly in that time. Yeah. Um, um, this figure has been appearing um, in folklore since the Middle Ages. Um, it is the Dullahan. Okay, from Ireland. So, wow. So, an Irish mm-hmm. folklore. Yes. That can't, well, not a surprise in that time. Yeah, but in I, I want to say the, there was, there in, was Germanic as well. Yeah, because Sleepy, this, the Sleepy Hollow story takes place in like that revolutionary kind mm-hmm. of like well, early it colonies. Was, it, well, it was very much, it was mostly Dutch settlers. So, that's not, um, yeah, okay. Also, speaking of, yeah. Um, showing a little ankle. So, oh no, I saw, I saw mid-calf. That's one of the funniest parts of the book is when, um, <laughs> Katrina Van Tassel is, um, prancing around in a shorter petticoat showing oh, off no. her ankle. And I remember I reading do declare. this. I remember reading this 
in, I think, sixth grade and thinking, ankle. Ankle? We see more than that in a Disney movie. Right. I, I was so confused. And the teacher had, and this is obviously before I got into um, the history of clothing and everything, right. um, but the teacher had to explain to the entire class that back then women were not allowed to show leg at all. I mean, that yeah, really that then, didn't really come that. around until really the 1900s. Yeah. So, I don't know. Interesting. And I also like the ending of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow because it leaves a lot to the imagination, but I'm not going to spoil it for those who have not actually read it. If it wasn't for those damn kids, I would have gotten away with it. Yes. Absolutely. But you don't know. It's actually the governor. <laughs> spoiled. Spoiled, everybody. Sorry. No, it wasn't the governor. It was Scrappy-Doo. Dude. It was Scrappy-Doo, and uh, he was pissed off. He would fit inside a large man's chest. He would. would, That'd be perfect. He would. Yeah, with that that damn gland disorder. (laughs) If you know the reference what we're speaking of, then we're happy for you. (laughs) We just watched Out of Giggles. (sighs) The first live-action Scooby-Doo movie, and we're on a Matthew Lillard train here, people. We are. We, we're, train. We're, we're we're about to go on our third one this season. Yeah, but um, I don't remember. Like it's it took everything bad from the early two thousands. Oh, it was so terrible. The tropes, every two thousands trope. First of all, I cannot believe straight men actually dress that way. Oh, you mean uh, uh what was it? Um, Sugar Ray? Yes. Oh, Lord. The frost. I remember the, the frosted, frosted tips, tips where everybody looked like Guy Fieri. The sleeveless shirt, the chain, the, the jeans. I don't know. It just looks so. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh, man. I was like, I, what, guys actually dressed like that back in the day? Apparently so. I don't remember it. I, I, don't. I remember bits and pieces of it. I remember Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears in the. Um, denim outfits oh i was about to say his the full canadian tuxedo the canadian tuxedo and her denim patchwork dress that it was one's bad still, i'm sure still he, burned he, into my head he probably burned that in a can somewhere behind a building <laughs> you, you know it's outfits like that that i literally think the designer was like what is the most god-awful hideous thing that i can make and call it art Ah. Uh. <laughs> derelict from trash to fashion <laughs> because i know i've created some things not as bad as that though well no 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 as a joke and okay. it actually went over like way better and i'm just like what? guys this is this, this, is, this trash. is trash and they're like it's the best thing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> and it's just yeah you're like how much all right my next book is the telltale heart by edgar Allan poe it is 1843 it's about a narrator who literally is distressed by his roommate's weird, eerie eye and his plans to murder him because of basically anxiety. Pretty much. That sums it up. Pretty much. He and, and him dealing with the guilt of him murdering his weird old roommate. Well, it's he has the guilt, but he also has this really like weird, meticulous way of planning the murder Mm -hmm. and over like a week and a half period. Well, I mean, he goes into like 
I, I can't even I can't even describe how it's a like lot. anal retentive he is about specific things. Which he well, we can't say he because we don't know the whatever. They think that because they're so they're so OCD about the way that they're going to murder this person that that makes them sane. Although I do have to interject with that one, though it does not specifically say he. Because there was a male yeah. roommate, you would have to, especially back yeah. then, be a guy. They right? would have to be a man. Right. Although technically, this could the the feeling and the thought process is, right. and everything could apply to any gender. Of course, that happens with any any of these stories. Right. But like they, he, Poe doesn't really say anything about the narrator. They, he describes the old man. To the T, but yeah. like nothing about the about the, the narrator. What was it? The vulture-like a eye, pale blue vulture-like eye, which we would assume that meant that the old man was blind in one eye. Yeah, that's what I get from it. Unless mm. both eyes were blue, and he was just obsessing about one of the eyes. No, I, I the way that I've seen it done, and if you haven't seen the um, movie version with Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Of course, that was part of a special, wasn't it? I think so. But there's so many Vincent Price movies that are Edgar Allan Poe books. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. Although, House I'm of surprised Usher, you like, didn't yeah. know the fall of the House of Usher was I Edgar had no idea. <laughs> I just think that's I hilarious. I don't know why, because I was just like, I've watched it so many times and I've read so much Poe that I didn't, the two didn't like come together for me. That one just surprised me when yeah. you said that. And there's a, isn't there like a, another movie too that's like a sequel or something like that? There's like the House of Usher and then the Fall of House of Usher. They're the same thing. And they're just two different ones, an updated movie and one isn't. I th- the only one that it's I know the House of is Usher, Fall of the House, House of, of Usher. Usher. And that's the one with Vincent Price in like the 60s or the 50s. Yes. Although yeah. like um, Elvira's weird. Haunted Hills is also based off of uh, Fall of the Fall House, of, House of, Usher. of Usher. Right. Um, although you might be thinking of The Pit and the Pendulum. Probably. And because in... the movie The Pit and the Pendulum is very much kind of the same wheelhouse as The Fall of the House no, of sorry. Usher. And in The Fall of the House of Usher, it was weird because Vincent Price had like blonde hair, right? If I Am I correct? I think he had blonde hair and it threw us both off. You know what? Now I'm going to look that one up. I think so. I think he had like blonde hair and we were both like, what is this? It was just really strange to me. I mean, it looked great on him, but it, it was he was also very young looking in it. And it probably is... I was like, why did they give him blonde hair? I was like, I don't remember. Maybe the character in the book had blonde hair? There was a short in uh, 1928. I will have to find that one. Huh. Huh. Fair listeners, now this is our Vincent Price interlude. <laughs> Vincent Price was in the Ten Commandments? I believe he was. Why do I not remember that? It's been ages since I've seen that movie. The movie is is so old. Vincent Price was in 211 things. Yeah, the man was... He better work. (laughs) Yes, he did. He worked a lot. lot. Up until what? His last movie was Edward Hitzerhan. And he died right at the end of the production, I think. Yeah, I don't remember... I don't remember when he died exactly, but... Yeah, it was in the 90s, I believe. He was in Laura. Mm-hmm. I don't remember him in that either. Mm. He's done a lot. 
I mean, two hundred. Well, in, in the um, things later in his life, he did a lot of voiceovers. Of yes. course, he did. He was famously known for um, Thriller. Thriller, yes. He also did an Alice Cooper album. And mm-hmm. like, yeah. Now I'm gonna have to go watch the Ten Commandments. It's on streaming somewhere, isn't yes, it? Yes, I believe it is. House of Usher. Oh, it's just called House of Usher. It is called House of Usher. So it, I, I know okay. that then there's another one that's called Fall of the House of Usher. Yeah, well, the story is actually yeah. called Fall of the House of Usher. <laughs> but um, yes, it is House of Usher. Yes, he does have blonde, blonde hair. hair, right? So I'm not crazy. He's got blonde. Yeah, he's got blonde hair. He looks so weird. It's like a weird Victorian Billy Idol. It's strange. I didn't remember him having blonde hair, but yeah, he did. Okay, so here's they're calling it the House of Usher, but then they they do call it the Fall, fall of House of Usher. Okay, so like yeah, there's a it's just weird like you know, thing, but yes, I didn't put two and two together. Yeah. Anyway, um, which Poe are we talking about again? <laughs> The Telltale Heart. The Telltale Heart. Okay. <laughs> Just Poe in general now. Yeah, yeah. My God. And it makes him look very young. It does make him look very Even young. Even though he's probably in his 40s, 30s. Oh, I, don't I don't know. He always kind of looked old. Yeah. Um, no, The Telltale Heart definitely does deals a lot with um, justification. Yes. You know, it's one of those classic things. You can always justify your actions. And in... I don't want to ruin anything by, by the end, he has gone mad. Yeah. For the for most tense purposes, he has gone he, crazy. Yeah. Like, for the entire book, he's trying to convince you that, that he's sane. That he is sane. But by the end of it, you, he is clearly off his rocker. Mm-hmm. For my last one, I'm not going to talk about a specific book, okay. but more of an author. Okay. Um, and we're going to go with H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, I mean, when you think about spooky for literature for this time of year, he's kind of like all encapsulating. Yes. Um, some in particular, some of my favorites that I would highly recommend, especially for this time of year. The one I really, really recommend to people. A lot of people haven't um, read it mm-hmm. is Dreams in the Wish House. <laughs> Wish House. Dreams in the Witch House. Witch uh, House? I don't know. You tell me. No, I said wish, but it is Dreams in the Witch House. Okay. Yeah. Dreams in the Witch House uh, is one of my favorites and actually one that I would love to see done in film because I feel like that is one of the Lovecraftian stories that could actually translate to film really well. As where with like the um, Dunwich Horror. Yeah. Leaves so much to the imagination. And there's been so many different, like, adaptations, that mm-hmm. are, and many that are done wrong. Yes. As we know. But um, Dreams in the Witch House, you follow a college student who, his only house is this old, only um, lodging available to him was this old house that was supposedly owned by a witch mm-hmm. who had this, like, rat-like imp familiar and um he goes there and then all of a sudden when he goes to sleep weird uh, things start happening his head and stuff and oh, okay. yeah i mean you want to talk about you know going back to the telltale heart people you know the guy going mad so, and yeah, seeing oh, things yeah. and so <clears throat> it definitely deals with a lot of those things the ending i did not expect so i will say definitely follow it to the ending mm. um 
that one was very easy for me to get through personally. It's mm-hmm. not like because his books can be a little. Well, a lot of them are short stories, and this one is nice. a, a short story. Oh, yeah. um, I the... prefer a novella or a short story yeah. over like a full full novel. Well, I like full novels, but they just take forever to actually get through. Yeah, they. they but this is better than um, the Dreams of Unknown Kadath, which is the one that I just cannot get through. Is it dry? It's very dry. Not a surprise, honestly. It's very dry, and I mean, probably people will come at me, but he's traveling. So in the Dreams of Unknown Kadath, he's traveling through, like, basically different planes of existence, trying to get to this, like, sacred place. Which is crazy for when it was written. Yeah, it really was. That's a thought process and an idea that we would think of today. Mm -hmm. Not in, what, 19... 1920. 1920. That is not something somebody's thinking about in that time. Yeah. So, I mean, I will actually say I do understand that Lovecraft himself is problematic mm, yes, um, just yes. because of the time periods. I'm just not excusing him, that because of him, um, him personally, him himself. personally. Yes. Um, however, some of his stories are really good. I do highly recommend them. And it sparked a genre. I mean, we're, I mean, yeah. I mean, we now know it as like Lovecraft horror. Yeah, Lovecraftian horror. Like, we, that's a thing now. I mean, you can call it whatever, cosmic horror, mm-hmm. Lovecraftian horror. Like, yeah. that, he, good, bad, or ugly, he, he, he sparked a movement in literature and in pop culture. Yes. Because it is everywhere and it's hot. Everybody, everybody's doing it mm-hmm. and continues to do it for movies, television, comic books. Everybody's doing it. Although Magic Love, Cards. Lovecraft well, Country is an amazing show. Oh, oh my god. If you have not seen it yet, highly recommend. Hi, we we still have to finish it. We have to finish it. We haven't seen the ending, so no spoilers. No spoilers, please. But we suggest it. Yes. So um Dreams in the Witch House would be one that I highly recommend. Call of Cthulhu is also one that I really like. Mm. That one, again, is not going to translate to film very well. Mm. But the thing I do like about, in particular, Call of Cthulhu, as well as the Dunwich Horror, which I know those two are talked about, like, um, ad nauseum. Yeah. So I understand that not a lot of, or that a lot of people have read those. But the thing I like about it is it stimulates the imagination. And I think that's one thing that our generation in particular doesn't have enough of no no we we're about remakes and copies and we're, we're rehashing nobody's trying to come up with like their own brainchild another one that i absolutely loved was shadows over Innsmouth. that's our episode for this week what are all your favorite books for this season Give us a shout over at O Midnight Roll on um, Twitter and Instagram and check us out at www.orderthemidnightroller.com for other topics such as this. And join us next week as we talk to the one-winged angel about why he only has one wing. Ta-ta! Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at OMidnightRoll. Also, feel free to like, rate, and review us wherever podcasts are located. Until next time, good morning and memento mori.